We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room Podcast and Blue Wire Network. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And last night, the big three debuted, not to the result that we were hoping for, but it was, for me, the most informative game of the preseason, really uh, get a good sense of the style of play that we're, we're trying to play. And... There's a lot to talk about, um, but one thing I wanted to bring up first, because I'm going to keep referring back to this, not just in this pod, but in future pods, and it really informs kind of our style of play. So the first play of the game, um, you know, Russ trips, Melo ends up drawing three free throws, we go up 3 nothing. Next time down, uh, Andrew Wiggins hit a, hits a jumper, a well-contested mid-range jumper, LeBron was on him, and so we're, this is after a miss, guys, and we advance the ball up court, and I just happened to pause it. At right as we were crossing half court and there were 22 seconds left on the shot clock and four of our guys were cross half court after the 22 second mark. And so I had thought in the first time watching it, like we played at a really crazy pace in this game. So I was like, I'm going to chart all of the starting lineup at least because this was the first time we saw AD at the five how long it takes for them to get across half court. So we had 46 possessions where we we had 46 possessions total with LeBron, AD and Russ on the floor. Of those, how many of you guys would or how many would you guys guess would we have crossed half court with 20 seconds or more left on the shot clock out of those 46? Half? Let's half? go okay. 28. Let's go 28. Okay, so we got 28. Uh, so 20 seconds or more on the shot clock. We already have the ball across half court with that group on the floor. 46 possessions. Actually, What's your that guess? That seems Mike? high. But 20, no, 28 but, out of 46? Okay. Yeah, that seems high, but anyways. I'll, I'll say with 20. It. 20. 43. 43 of the 46 possessions that those guys played last night. Damn. The ball was across half court with 20 seconds or more on the shot clock. How many of those, how many times do you think we had the ball across half court with 22 or more seconds left? The ball across half court, two seconds out of 46 possessions with those guys playing together. 
Pete, just so we know, is this the last math question? Because I'm going to go get my calculator. I I know it's way too early. I'm sorry for that. Mike, we're playing the prices right here. That's well, right. I was going to so, hit you with the 29. With yes. going I was going to go yeah. plus one on you, but I didn't want to yes. be a dick. Yes. So I was right. like, uh, I'll go So under. I felt yeah. I was high, but I was just like, oh, I already gave my number to Bob Barker. So so I'm done. Like, like if I'm out, I'm out. I know. Um, and that kind of influenced me because I was going to, I'm like, well, Darius said 28. It's probably safe to go 29. Pete's asking this question for a reason. And then right. I was influenced by your, I was influenced by your hesitation. So Darius, you said so 43 for so, the previous one. And yeah, so, so 43 out of our like, 46. Mm-hmm. Let, go ahead. Let, let's say 35 of those. So 35 of those we've got uh, across 22 seconds or more left on the shot clock. So two seconds to get across half court. What's your guess, Mike? I mean, Darius, you're going up to, so you're going from, Pete was 42 and you're going down to 35. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll still go lower for that. I'll say 25. Yeah, so it was 20, 28 out of the uh, 46 possessions. And so over half of the time, we have the ball across half court in two seconds or less. I didn't have time to chart the, and I did some defensive charting because all of that's to say that, so that is a, a bit of context to inform, like we stink right now. We stunk a little less last night and thankful, thankful to the Warriors for sitting all their guys because we are deep in the abyss of bad basketball and you don't, you don't flip that switch, Darius, overnight going from playing really bad ball to playing quality basketball unless you have something to fall back on and we really don't with this new group of, of, of players. And so I don't want to act like it's, I, I don't want to act like, it's anything more than this is a severe style of play change. I think there's a good chance we're the number one pace team in the league, which is so different than the last couple of years and really how LeBron kind of operates. But anyway, we're not playing good ball. It was the debut of the big three. What stood out to you, D, uh, from last night's game? I mean, it was nice to see all of those guys on the floor. Like, I hate to say it, but the things that stood out to me are mostly all negatives. When I'm optimistic about something, I'm going to speak about why they're great or why I'm optimistic about something. When I see things that are that bug me or things that I think are problematic, I'm going to speak on those things, too. The Lakers. I think there are some positives that are mixed in, but your framing of where the team is right now is totally accurate. And the things that stood out to me is still the general sloppiness on offense um, particularly with LeBron and Russ, who are the team's primary ball handlers, and the disconnection and the sort of lackadaisical play from key players defensively. Um, yeah. if, if you're looking for a positive, the thing that stood out to me from the most positive stand- standpoint is Anthony Davis looked great. Yeah, to me. He's been great all... Pre- and, and I'm not looking for a positive or a negative in no, particular. But it's whatever like, stands out. Yeah, yeah. But, but these are the things that stood out to me is like on the negative side, it was that stuff. And on the positive side, like AD... He looks AD really good. AD looks like he's ready to start the season. Yeah. And which is so far from where he was last season, Mike, that that it's just like, I'm... I'm booing my hopes on sort of like the Lakers still sort of finding a rhythm in some way based off of like Anthony Davis being that light post for them. Like we can do some stuff with this dude playing this way. But 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 what stood out to you, Mike? Guys, I guess this will be consistent with my general way of approaching this team for the last two years, because I thought that LeBron looked great, too, aside from some of the turnovers, which is whatever, which is fine. But I just mean physically. And when he wanted to get to the rim, he got to the rim. 
and he finished. Uh, his three-point shot looked okay. I, all of the things, that the checkpoints that I would want to see from LeBron for extending his minutes happened alongside AD. And so my point of either concern or anxiousness about watching the team, if this is from a standpoint of my life is better when the Lakers do well, certainly, is <laughs> it goes back to the formula we knew what it was for LeBron and AD to play just like that. And then everybody else on the floor was playing a role. Uh, they were playing defense. They were going to hit shots when they were open. And this is, of course, the title team. And then you know, even to start last season before things had to change once some of the injuries happened. And on this team right now, you've got LeBron and AD doing their thing. And then other guys either not sure of what their role is yet, which, again, understandable, but it's more complicated than just everybody else go out and play defense. Like in, in the starting lineup, Russ and Carmelo are not, you know, Danny Green and KCP, right? It's just, and I think alongside the two stars, they can do everything. I like to have the guys that are just going to play defense, run up and down the floor and shoot because, and this was the, this is the original concern, right? About a move like this in the first place. Now, there still leaves plenty of room for upside, part of, the, of what Pete was talking about with the fast break and how Russ can eventually be so much more dynamic. But early in the season, I would love to see anybody else, which would include Russ, which would include Melo, to you know really play defense and to really think about – still think about the fact that this team knows how to win with LeBron and AD. So it's that it's, – those things are kind of tugging at one another um, as to me, and, and that's what's going to happen to an extent as the season starts – and I think that when we conceptualized this roster, it was, well, if Russ embraces this and he and he I think he wants to. It's just he's got these habits of the way that he plays. That's spot on. And that's really the difference between having former stars as your role players and you know, exactly. career role players as your role players. And it's really the consistency of the motor in the rewatches uh, that, that I did the last night, night's game. Russ was pretty good in his first shift defensively. Melo is a guy where like I I don't think Melo is capable of defending at the NBA level in, you know, in rotation, in a rotational sense. Like Russ, we've talked a lot about him embracing it and the idea of mindset with all of these guys. That's going to be something with Russ that comes and goes. That whole falling asleep off of the ball is going to happen. That's part of what you're going to get with Russell Westbrook. And Darius, you said over the course of this offseason, like, I don't expect guys to change that have been in the league That's for right. this long. And, and so Darius says, show me. Yeah, right. show me. Show me. That's right. Yes. And I think there's there are a few things going on within this that we've got a lot of those types of guys. So in that rewatch, Melo, again, is just not really capable of doing much, but it was easily Rondo's worst defensive game of as good as he's been in pushing the pace and all that. He gave up. I charted the you know points given up by mistakes and things like that. It was actually Rondo who led everybody with Melo and Westbrook just behind him. And even LeBron had some possessions where he's like, yeah, I'm not going to. And these are these are preventable mistakes, right? I'm not talking, you know, everybody did their job and or, or, or even like there was a play where uh, Juan Toscano put Kent Bazemore in the sidecar as he was coming off of the uh, off of a screen. And it's like Bazemore's too small to really stop that. Right. Like those aren't the types of mistakes that I'm talking about. I'm talking those Frank Vogel last night. Darius was lamenting our how our, the frequency of us getting back cut and just losing our man and saying our scheme is rock solid in terms of not giving that up. Um, but it it's against you know, a lot of players' instincts. So guys coming in new, uh, it takes a little while for those guys to get used to it. 
And, um, you know, I think we saw, you know, we, we got beat entirely too much on, on back cuts tonight, uh, but something we can clean up. I think there's a fascinating conversation to be had about Frank Vogel's defensive scheme and what it requires versus the talent and kind of that idea of defensive motor and what comes with that. Uh, on the defense, beyond mindset and individual players, I see a little bit of a dissonance there. I'm curious your thoughts on that idea of the defensive talent we have versus the scheme that, that we run. Yeah, there's a dissonance. Frank Vogel needs good defensive players. Well, what, coach, what coach doesn't, right? Yeah, but, but what I'm saying is, is that, so I think he has the big men to play his scheme. Agreed. And I think that there's a certain amount of attentiveness and physical, and combination of attentiveness and physical ability as a guard that you need to have. And attentive, and I'll throw in want with the attentiveness, right? Because like there's a focus and when you're focused, you're typically going to do the thing that you're supposed to do because your, your brain is locked into the idea. Like these are my responsibilities. And it's actually, it's, it's actually harder at that point to say, I'm not going to do it when you're focused on trying to, on, on what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, focus is kind of like the mental aspect of effort. We think of effort as running around and hustling, and it is, but that's the physical side. Focus is what drives that in the first place. So just a side tangent, I I went on like a, more of a like a longer run than I did like over the weekend, and I ran with my sister-in-law, and and she's just, she just runs at a different pace than me. She runs at a slower pace than me. Typically, I, I I'm like, let's get this over with. When, when I run, <laughs> right? And so she was running a little bit slower, but we were going to go further. And so about halfway through, I found myself really having to lock in on like controlling how fast I wanted to do something because instinctively my body was saying like, you're going too slow. Yeah. Why aren't we, why aren't we going faster? Right. And there was, so the, the second half of that run became so much more mental to me than it was actually physical because I wasn't actually exerting a lot of energy. It was more like, hey, keep, keep this steady, slower pace going. And so in transitioning this back to the Lakers, there is an attentiveness that you can tell that some of these players are not used to playing with defensively. That it's not hard. Like, I don't think what Vogel's asking the players to do is hard, but what he's asking them to do is stay focused for an extended period of time and defensively. That's hard. And that can be hard, though. And that is hard. Right. Like I do not doubt Russell Westbrook can fly all over the court and make every rotation from one three point line to the other three three point line. Like he's just as gifted a physical athlete relative to his position as LeBron James or Anthony Davis. Right. But the so it's not it's not ability. It's sort of this combination of of focus and want to do it. Right. And there are going to be I honestly don't think that he has that yet within the context of, and, and of what the Lakers scheme requires. And, and so and I think that there's a lot of players, on, not a lot, but there's several on the team and several who played last game based off the fact that the rotation was shortened because a lot of guys were out to 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 injury that that is in their basketball DNA. 
right now. And it's going to be interesting compensating for that because I do think Frank Vogel could say like, okay, well, we're going to do less of this and more of that. Like we can switch more or we can do this more. Right. Mm -hmm. And sure, he could do that. But that's also one of those things where it's just like, well, remember in the playoffs, the year that they won the championship, there were two or three games, Pete, where you had said something like, I don't even know if this works the game plan. Like, I don't even know if this game plan is the appropriate game plan because dudes aren't doing the thing that they're supposed to be doing. Right. You can't even evaluate the game plan. You can't even evaluate if, if this is going to be successful. And so like five preseason games in, is it a pro, is it the appropriate time to say like, okay, well let's sort of scrap all the stuff we've been working on and go in this other direction because these dudes aren't doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. Well, it's just like, yeah, how about we get you guys to try to do the things that we're asking you to do a little bit more and a little bit more consistently, right? Before we determine that you're actually not capable. Well, I think there's a part of what you guys, the last points that you made that's directly, directly related though. And it's the, if you have guys that are, that were former stars and they played a certain way. And we're mostly talking about defensive attentiveness. Part of the reason that that happens in the NBA is because stars have to carry a certain load offensively and mindset wise, whatever, when they're, when they're coming into the, the checklist of what they have to do that game, the defensive stuff just isn't as high as the offensive stuff. And it's why there are so few dominant two-way players. It's why I'm always talking about LeBron and AD and a couple in Giannis and a couple other guys in the NBA. And that's what that was. Again, this whole conversation that we had about Russ, how much of that can he shift and how much of it is, is going to be obvious at the start of the season? How much of it's going to come in the middle of the season? What's the absolute optimized version of that? And on a lesser level, this is where you think about former stars like, What's a recent example? So Blake Griffin last year in the player in the playoffs who just played like a total role player and did it great. Like he made that uh, Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard made that shift two years ago. Carmelo Anthony, he made the shift from starting to going off the bench, but played the same way off the bench in Portland. As he played when he was a starter, his his uh, I don't know what his usage was. That, that'd be we, I, I know that uh, all three of us are capable of look, looking that up. But point being, like when he comes in the game, he's looking to score and he's not playing as much defense. And that that is not going to work. Right. Like Trevor Ariza is a has been a role player his whole career. And so he can play. That's why he's better to me alongside LeBron and AD. And it's just it's the merging of, of those two things. So it's it's part of it sure is scheme and Frank Vogel. But I think the much bigger part of any scheme defensively is just getting the buy in and having the guy be. That's what the priority is going to be. And you should be able to do that. It's more if you're not going to do it, that's when you pull on one of the other guys in the rotation, even if they're they're going to lack some of the same gifts on and on that side of the floor. And in that respect is where I think we were missing a lot of our young and energetic guys. Now, mind you, Golden State sits all of their main guys and we are playing all of our stars. That's a game that we should win in a, you know, if we're playing to win type of sense. uh, That's a game that we should come away with, even in the preseason. But what we're talking about is a certain amount of that is going to be buy-in from the stars. But a certain amount of that is also 
some of the other guys on the court have to do that stuff as their first instinct, as the first thing that they do. It's part of the reason why, uh, Darius, you've been starting your uh, start Austin Reeves hashtag that I am not entirely against by any means. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, I want to talk a little more about the development of this kind of new style of play that we're entering. Lakers basketball is finally back. And there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out and transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com slash LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So I can't wait to watch a Laker game that is not abundantly weird in some respect or another, where it's like all of our guys play. I'm not saying an entirely healthy team that rarely happens in the regular season, but can we like have our main guys play and not be missing four guards in the same game? Right. Uh, but in the circumstances of that, I want to talk a little bit about Austin Reeves, like after the game, Mike LeBron made some comments about, and, and said very directly, he's an NBA player. And, from watching him, uh, like there's a there's not just an understand understanding, but there's a skill set there. Like he can really hoop. He can really fit a, a lot of. I think drive and kick basketball is going to be very central to the style that we play. I don't necessarily think that he's a guy that's going to be in the rotation early on, but he's not far away from being a guy. And again, this is in context of a lot of stars taking a lot of possessions off in a preseason, and so he will stand out as looking good within that. But he is exactly the type of guy that can 
shoot a little bit off of those stars driving kicks, is going to run around and give you that 100% defensive motor. Every possession can handle the ball a little bit, can get us out in transition. Tell me what you've seen a little bit from uh, from Reeves, Mike, and kind of what the prevailing opinion is of him around the team. Reeves is the classic Laker that plays pretty well in the summer league and you can kind of see fitting in a certain way, but you're not sure if it's actually going to happen because of the depth of the roster. And so in summer league, watching him in person, the thought was, yeah, you know what? He really gets basketball. He would be good with good players, but they didn't have many good players. So it was, so the numbers weren't there. The efficiency wasn't there. And he's trying to do a lot of this high level stuff where you can see what's going on in his brain, but it's, so I, I was really curious, and I think the, the three of us talked about it, and to see how we would fit. And then all of a sudden, he's out there with four of the most veteran players, uh, the most accomplished players in the NBA over the last 15 years. And the image that kept coming back to me, and I asked him about it in the little postgame one-on-one we did, was he told me this story about his freshman year of high school, and it's, it's this team, this small town Arkansas, it's this team of brothers. So he... And his brother, freshman junior, then his best friend and his brother are freshman junior. So they're they're, uh, And then they have one uh, one sophomore that filled in and the two juniors are really good. Did all the scoring and Austin and the other younger brother just found ways to do little things to win. They dove on the floor. They scrapped up. By the way, I told this to Stu Lance and Stu did his typical that's not he like yeah all NBA players should do this all the time like it is yes. it, it, did you hear that part Pete <laughs> he's always compromising on such yeah, things yes I'm like <laughs> it's true but like they don't you know um, right right <laughs> and so so Austin that that's that's sort of like in his basketball DNA is what what can I do that's going to help this team win is it shoot uh, an open shot is it back cut is it stay is it actually hold up a guy like Bielitsa who's trying to who's trying to pound him into the paint and then eventually strip him which AD mentioned specifically um he went over to Reeves and and it was like hey that's how you stay on the court like good job and so he can do all that stuff he this is it's right back to the, the first point we made Darius this is a guy that is looking at the whole picture and seeing where he fits in and trying to figure out how that helps the team win that's the that's the plus minus guy off the bench uh, I, I hate to uh, immediately invoke the Caruso name who had some different skill set, different physicality, much bigger, yeah. much stronger. But that's what Alex did. Ultimately, he figured out every possession. What do I do that's going to best help these guys next to me? And guess what? Uh, shocker. That works. <laughs> that, that helps win basketball games. Reeves can play. Yeah. I, I sent you guys a text message in our thread last night. And, you know, yeah, I started the like start Austin Reeves hashtag it's it's tongue-in-cheek a little bit but it's not when four of your guards are out and you actually need someone who's wing-sized and who's doing things right and so i'd rather he's playing rather than than mellow right because i think that that fifth spot is supposed to be either monk or ellington a, a shooter type of player like i'd rather have have him out there than mellow reeves is like an avatar for the idea which i think is like what do the lakers need as like that fifth starter guy right mm. and 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 so I, I'm happy to talk about Reeves and and him being a guy who has, who had when LeBron says that's an NBA player, it's because on the court you do not see a noticeable weakness. 
It, he is. Is he? Is he? Is he as big as you'd like? No. Is he as athletic as you'd like? No. Is he as good of a shooter as as you'd like? Maybe. Does he has as good a handle as as he needs? Maybe, right? And so there's a lot of stuff where it's just like, okay, well, where are the things he's taking off of the table, right? And it's just like, okay, well, experience, clearly. He got back cut a couple of times. The time that he got back cut and his guy got a layup, I saw him take the ball from the hoop and slap it together, like, super hard, the way that you do, like, if you're authoritatively, like, rebounding, right? Sure. And, and so you could tell that that pissed him the hell off that he got beat on on that back cut he didn't show a bunch of outward emotion but it was that little thing that if you've played basketball in your life you know what that means right there and so he is competitive he gets it and so there's a lot of things about Reese where I'm just like this dude can play Right. And I'm not going to invoke Caruso. Caruso was a totally different type of of player. Mike, Mike said it a bunch of times. Caruso was a super athlete. He was a monster defensive player. Like like if Caruso played 30 minutes a game, he could make an all defense team. The comparison is about like I just said it. It's about the it's the guy that understands the game and is doing all of the little things to win, right? Like that's that's what that's what Caruso ultimately did. The body type is totally different, but like the the guy that gets it that wasn't drafted, you know, that like mm-hmm. that comes in and that's that's the the, sure. the epitome of a role player, right? We can talk more about Reeves, like like if you want Pete. Like, yeah, it's I, more. Like, it's more happy like what with he him, represents. But, yeah, but, yeah. But like I was saying, he is the avatar for what I think the Lakers are looking for as a fifth starter. And like, I don't want to dump on Mello, but I haven't really been keen on what Mello's brought to the table. Like when the shot goes in, it's just like, and he's doing the three fingers to to the head and he's excited. Like, it's great. Like, believe me, I love seeing the shots fall. When I see him a half step slow on a closeout, and then a half step slow in recovering on the dribble, and then a half step slow getting here, suddenly you're not just a half step slow, you're a step and a half behind because all of those half steps add up. And when, in getting back to what we were talking about earlier in the pod, there is an, there's that mix of attentiveness and ability. And Mello has been deficient on both sides of that equation defensively. And that's a tough thing to overcome it and, and that's also not just a preseason thing right that's no something that's, that's gonna be yeah. who he is as as a player and that doesn't mean there can't be a role for Carmelo Anthony right that'd be I'm not saying that at all Carmelo could easily come in and win you a playoff game he could go he could literally go seven for ten and and six of eight of those are made threes and he could get you 22 points and you're just like Carmelo Anthony just won you a playoff game, right? And as Brian Windhorse is fond of saying, if you're on a minimum contract and you win your team a single playoff game, mm-hmm. you, you have done your job, right? Like you made your entire year's salary in one <laughs> night. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, you only need to win 16 of those. 
And if you're a guy who could capably get one of those for you, it's like what I was saying about Dwight Howard last year. In that Nuggets series, it didn't matter if he was a liability against the Rockets. It doesn't matter if he was a token starter against the Heat. And he basically didn't play very much in, in overall in the course of the entire playoffs. What Dwight Howard did against the Nuggets in the run to the championship, he earned his salary two or three times in that series alone, just based off of being that that good. But when you look at what the Lakers have done this preseason and where I think they've they've been deficient, like Melo is sort of a guy who is signifying a lot of the rough moments for me. And that's not to single him out because other guys have been that too. But but I've been I don't want to say disappointed, but it's been the optimism for me about what he could do has waned a little bit for me. Yeah, I'm in a similar spot. I'd like to see our team more together. Yes. Because, again, I'm, I'm curious to see a game that's not entirely strange where, you know, you've got a couple of guys on the floor. I think Melo can be okay if he's the only bad defender that you have on the floor. We just haven't been in a circumstance where that's possible quite yet, considering all of the, the in and out of the lineup. But if, if he's going to have that type of role to me, it's the second unit. I think he needs to be alongside Dwight at the very least. Um, we tried him a little bit yesterday at the three next to AD and Dwight, that, that combination that did really well in the previous game against Phoenix. It wasn't as good. And that's also a, a part of the starting lineup is mellow like we didn't really get the foot speed, that idea of how we started the show of how often did we run, get the ball past half court uh, in a certain period of time. And from a foot, foot speed perspective, having that shooting guard out there is going to be an even faster type of squad. So all of that's to say there's, we haven't quite seen the, this is going to be his role with this group of players, but in a broader sense, if we want to run, if we want to play this severe style change, again, top top pace team in the league or close to it, which is very different than how we've played in the past. We're going to have to defend, guys. We're going to have to be able to get stops. We're going to have to be able to get out and run. And for Melo's skill set, his greatest value is that spot-up shooting, which is valuable alongside our shot creators, and also that ability to save a possession, right? You got eight seconds left and nothing really going. Let's throw the ball to Melo in the post or to beat a, a, a switch, right? A small guard has switched onto him. Let's let Melo go to work. But on this team, Mike, we need guys that that are able to fly around, that are able to uh, create those opportunities for us to run in the first place. Because we were taking the ball out of the net and still getting it across with 22 left, even off of makes. But when we were really productive, it was when that's coming off of misses, off of steals, off of havoc. And none of that is stuff that Melo really creates. Yeah. And that's also when you look down on the bench, though, and even if it's the guys that were that have been a little bit banged up. It's not like there's that immediate answer um, either for the guy that's we had talked. I think we had talked about THT and getting better on that end. And I think there was a, there were some possibilities there, but he also still has a ways to go um, on defense. And Ariza is the guy that, you know, can do it mentally, but where's he at physically? And clearly he came in uh, with this ankle injury and he's out for a while. So where, where does that then leave you? Okay. Well, if you start with the, with Russ and LeBron and AD and Bazemore, which who I think is a, a lock and has to be in there. Okay. And then that next spot, that next spot is Ellington. So how much Ellington is, is not, has not particularly had a great preseason defensively either, you know? And then that's, so there is, that's, 
I don't, I'm not moving it off of Mello uh, because I agree, right? Yeah. That's where, that's where we were at even a minute ago, but I'm still curious to see how Ellington can stop, can step in there. And if it's not him, then would it be none? And none's a little bit better defensively than Ellington, but then you lose him as kind of the six man or, or monk like monk. So that Darius, that's where the, we're going to kind of have to wait and see. Yeah. So here's the thing for me is that this is why I actually think the team needs another forward, right? Like it's, it it goes back to that, like, and I don't want to make it sound like I was prescient or anything, but it's just like when we had that conversation about what does the team not have that you'd like them to have? And I said, sort of like a power forwardy guy who could do power forward things. And they really, it's funny because in theory, LeBron is a power forward now, but he doesn't really want to play power forward. AD is a center who wants to play power forward, right? Like in theory, but none of those guys now are really going to be the power forward. It's like, like what you really want to me at least is a guy who could slot between LeBron and AD who could, if he has to, guard the other team's center so that AD could do more of the things that you want him to do. So that you want a guy who unlocks both LeBron and Anthony Davis, right? And, like, in a weird way, in the playoffs when they won the championship, the guy who helped do that the most, I'm not saying he was great at it, but the guy who helped do that the most was, like, Markeith Morris, Right. And so if you could you find a better version of Markeith Morris, like I don't know who who that guy is, who's out on the market right now. Right. Like I know, though, that Rob Palinka has a 15th roster spot open, probably specifically for a guy who comes who could come available who fits that mold, right? Because they're definitely not holding a roster a, a roster spot open for another perimeter player. If they were, they'd probably just go sign a guy already who's out there and free. Yeah, no, I think that that notion of having another four-ish type of guy is... I'm right there with you in that this roster screams that... Uh, again, I... With respect to THT and Nunn's defense, like I think that we're one guy short defensively under normal circumstances, and I think it is that power forward four type of guy. Um, but I, one of the reasons I'm still very optimistic about where we're going with this is that both THT and Nunn, they have defensive value in ways that fit very specifically Vogel's scheme, right? Like none's really good at getting over screens and that's really ground zero on how Vogel's scheme works is can your guards get over and still stay attached, right? And which isn't to say that he does it perfectly every time, but you're going to want to rely on him more than a Russell Westbrook. Frankly, I would like to start none next to Westbrook. That's my ideal lineup rather than a Monk or an Ellington because none has that defensive value. I think that's your best unit of Westbrook, Nunn, Bazemore, AD, and LeBron. Now, I'm curious, I'd love to ask Vogel about the idea of having two lefties in the lineup. That's something where positionally where you put guys on the floor, sometimes you you generally want your lefties on the right side of the court. Anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. So I don't know if that's something he'd be interested in, but Mike, that's something that I think that that's probably the best 
the best defensive lineup. And I'm not sure that Rondo shouldn't be in the rotation as I think that like going back to the uh, style of play, that pushing, I, I know I see that, that glint in your eye. Imagine me, right? Like we need Rondo in the rotation, not necessarily. I'm not all the way there yet, but that ability to push pace and to constantly seek out the alley-oop, I think we're going to, if not set a record this year for alley-oops, I think we're going to be very close. I, I think there's things that we can do, and there's there's still the ingredients and pieces kind of in this very disjointed type of way, and obviously it's leading to ugly basketball, but we we have a lot here where I'm hoping to see at least one like regular game or close to it in this last game versus Sacramento. Hopefully injuries will allow. I, so I'm very interested, Pete, in what you just said about none and him potentially starting and how that impacts the rotation. And early in the season, it, it already looks like Rondo's going to have to play um, just based on injuries. And sure. especially without THT, who was kind of like your point guard off the bench in a way, even if even though it's more likely going to be LeBron or Russ, in a sense, if they're staggering minutes, which we haven't seen them do as much. But nonetheless, like having him out there as an extra playmaker uh, is really interesting. And then I thought Rondo was really good until you pointed out the defense. And then I was like, oh, yeah, OK, I guess. So that's where we're now. We're already getting back into this. OK, is Rondo going to go back to regular season Rondo? But there uh-huh. were some spots where he looked really good. But nonetheless, let's let's leave all that just for your for your point about none, because then Monk can kind of come in and serve as the bench heat him up score guy that none could have been. And you're you're essentially saying, okay, Kendrick, look, we know that you can do that. That's great. But what this team clearly needs a little bit more is just some defensive energy, some transition push, some weak side attack, right? And like both of those guys can do it on the offensive end, but none is better on the defensive end. And especially considering what we've seen in this style, um, I that, that was a quick sell for me. I like that idea. Interesting. Yeah, it it may it may come down to the second unit, though. Right. D, like if you're if you are playing Rondo, does that mean that you're playing a Rondo monk backcourt? Because then defensively you get into, you know, so there's a lot a lot to account for. We're going to run into a bunch of issues about like how big the guards are this season. And it's why specifically like THT and Ariza are probably the combination. It's like that combination of both those injuries being like basically like w- actual wing size dudes it took it all away yeah it, it was just like oh now the only guy that size on the bench is like carmelo anthony and he doesn't do the stuff no. that you want you, you gotta you, get to shondi brown we signed siku dumbaya yes those are the guys that are really the only options on, yeah where on it's that. just like okay you kind of want your six eight dude to be able to run around and and do a bunch of stuff and sort of like oh where's the Where's the sticky defensive mentality dude who is like the six eight dude, the guy who is in between six five and six eight, and and THT can play like a six eight dude because he's got arms like a six nine dude. And right? he's built, right? He's and, two two twenty five, two thirty, yeah. And he's just like a barrel chested kid. It's just like, okay, well, he's gonna be strong out there. And so losing those two guys specifically, it's just like, man, sh- shit. Now the rest of the team is small. And so it's just like, yeah, you can sell me on starting none, 
right? But then I'm just like, okay, well then that really makes Russ the shooting guard defensively. And then and then if Nunn can't get over screens and he's the dude who is cracking down in center screen and rolls and he's going to have to switch and hold up and then they're going to have to scram him out of there. And then it's just like my brain starts to go sure. X's and O's like galaxy brain stuff on like <laughs> where I'm like, okay, well then they should do this more and that more. And it's, and it's whack-a-mole at that point because you don't, you simply don't have enough size on the roster. And that's why I'm, my mind goes back to like, Hey, a power forward size dude would be nice because that's the dude, if you actually want to play smaller in terms of like having AD be your center and play faster, then get me a dude who can capably play some center, right? In terms of defensively, like we don't mind putting this dude on another big guy and unlock Anthony Davis to be whatever you want him to be. If that means he's going to guard Aiton, then great, he can guard Aiton, and this other dude can go guard Jay Crowder, right? But if it's just like, hey, we want you to guard Bielitsa so that AD can guard JTA because that dude is unlocking something for the Warriors that we want to sort of like as a passer and as a play in the middle of the floor guy, we want AD to shut that down, then we'll put him there, right? It's just like, it is that... It's it's that queen on the chessboard idea, yep. but you need a rook, right? You like, do. Like you and can't do it with just with, with with just anything else. That's right. And we've been doing that with AD. Our deployment of AD has been super interesting in that he's been guarding all sorts of guys. He's been having to fight over screens on the perimeter as that kind of queen on the chessboard type of we whatever problem we have, we're going to deploy you to go solve it. The problem is the other guys can't hold it down uh, at the other position. And that's really what it comes down to. Right. Is like finding guys that can do that to free him up. And so I'm fascinated still with this team. And there's so many questions, so many different scenarios, so many different versions of this team. I do think that this debut night, while still a loss uh, against a very shorthanded team, was a step in the right direction, while it also shows how far away we are from playing good basketball. So hopefully uh, we get that tomorrow. On Thursday, we get another step. Russ seemed to knock a little bit of the rust off offensively as the game went on. Just a lot going on with this Lakers team. We're going to be here to cover all of it on the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the He's an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Freddie pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen. Bryant, unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. 
add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com